Welcome to Expounded Universe, Season 6, Episode 3, Crawling in My Skin. The book, Planet of Twilight, by Barbara Hambly. The year, I forgot. Chapters 5 and 6, with your hosts, Jeff and John. Sorry I forgot. Let's go. Drag me to Taytel. Uh, my jerk-off motion is one of the endless. I mean, or, you know, you can just cover R2-D2 in flesh. <laughs> if I can be honest, John, whenever I hear the 2000 thing, my first response for, like, a pop culture reference is a silver chair song. That's weird. Yeah, it's like, uh, it, it's like I'll make it up to you in the year 2000. And you can just hear their Australian snot-nosed punk bullshit. Well, that brings up... A very important question, which is, did Silverchair make it up to whoever in the year 2000? I have to assume it's Annie. Uh, he, she's, he's probably... Well, a, is Annie okay? I don't know if Annie's okay, but they do have a song called Annie's Song, and I assume that they were apologizing to Annie for all the frog stomping. Is that all the Silverchair jokes I can do? I think it is. <laughs> is, is this all the Silverchair I got? Okay. <laughs> I'm done. I'm done with Silverchair. Oh, wait. Hang on. I could probably work in a couple of Chronicles of Narnia jokes. <laughs> the Chronic what? The, the, yeah, the Chronicles of Narnia. <laughs> the Chronic of Narnia. <laughs> <laughs> no wonder everyone thought that ape couldn't couldn't talk couldn't couldn't talk. could and could not talk respectively depending on who was observing him and in what chapter <laughs> that's weird strong christian overtones ah. when was the last time you read chronicles of narnia like the whole seven books never you've never read them all seven no oh which ones have you just read the first one then uh so i've done lion witch in the wardrobe i've done i want to say the uh second one's voyage of the dawn treader no it was like the magician's nephew uh yeah that's like the fifth one or something yeah yeah and then that yeah, it, might be it horse and his boy no i swiftly think swiftly tilting planets i'm pretty sure it's just those two which is harry potter and the sorcerer's <laughs> stone <laughs> wait were you willing to buy swiftly tilting planet i was willing to buy whatever you gave me <laughs> I've, got, a, a, I've got an open wallet, and I'm willing to pay. Uh, Swiftly Tilting Planet is a Madeline Lingle joint. Madeline Lingle. Madeline Lingle. It's fun to say. You know, she's a, what's a wind in the door. What's the what's the famous one that everyone... Stitch in Time? Yeah, is that the one? The one that, that people give a shit about? Wrinkle in Time. Wrinkle in Time. That's the one people give a shit about. I was willing nine. to buy Stitch in Time. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. We're both willing and able to buy just bullshit from each other <laughs> at all times. No problem. As long, of us, as, as long as it's from you, buddy. Yeah, neither of us know what we're talking about, but at least the other person is ready to just jump on board, yes and, as hard as possible. <laughs> That's how we came up with uh, Tracy Morgan Le Fay the other day. Yeah. <laughs> He's great. I love him. <laughs> He's so tired, Liz Merlin. <laughs> uh, there uh, ain't no party like a Liz Merlin party, because a Liz Merlin par party ages backwards. <laughs> uh, so anyway, welcome to Expounded Universe the Star Wars Novel Discussion Podcast, Expanded Universe Novel Discussion Podcast. I'm Jeff. That's John. Oh, boy. And that prelude to our introduction is a good, solid sampling of the kind of bullshit you can expect right here on the show. <laughs> it's a good, solid little bit like you'd get from Costco. They just hand you just a sample of our bullshit, and you're like, ooh, do I want more of this bullshit? Man, I was at Costco this morning, and there were not sample people out, and it was bliss. Ha! <laughs> If I can, I, I'm, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm an old curmudgeon, I know. I'm an old girl. You piece of shit. I was only, literally only at Costco to poop. 
I, I've been driving do- my daughter around trying to get her to fall asleep, and Costco was there when I needed to poop. They were they were a willing and waiting porcelain receptacle. <laughs> they were there for me they when were, I needed yeah. to poop. Now, granted, I have paid them $60 for that privilege. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it was, a, it was a fine poop, a discerning poop. A fine poop. Yeah. But uh, no sample people, which I loved because I know at that Costco, the sample people are basically just don't try to go through here because people will park their cart wherever they are and just dead run over to the sample tray. Ugh. And so with none of them, everyone was just moving around. It was amazing. There was actual flow. Yeah. Heavy flow. Yeah. It was fantastic. Anyway, yeah, that's the kind of shit you can expect from us. You know, references to punk bands you forgot existed and uh, whatever else the hell we were doing in that that conversation. Oh, fake books. Yeah, you know, real fake books. Real fake books. Get, get Leave here with an armful of fake books under each arm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, this is going to be chapters five and six of Planet of Twilight, a book that takes a surprisingly long time to say a surprisingly small amount of stuff. Man, this is, I'm going to go ahead and say it, this is even worse than uh, the Crystal Star for just wheel spinning. I was going to say, there's a lot of different varieties of, I mean, we've only done five and a third books so far, and we have, I think we have five different varieties of bad. Yeah, this is so much not even really wheel spinning where it was like i'm gonna have someone do an action that doesn't matter Mm -hmm. as much as it is like i've got to just tell you about like what's going on in the background here for about four pages anyway then luke walked forward let me tell you four more pages of background description i'm like yeah, I get it, Hemingway. That's fine. There's can- a mix of two kinds of annoying wheel spinning happening in this book that's just a soupçon of, of horrible. One of them is flowery descriptions of everything. Yes. And the other one is huge amounts of background detail that's got no connection to anything else in the Star Wars universe that just goes on at length Ugh. with just endless references to planets and names and people. Uh, none of which, every time I check Wikipedia, no one else gave a shit about any of this. Well, no. All of this was just... I'm going to throw a name in here because the rest of it is like if it wasn't a background detail of the universe Mm -hmm. that she was making up, then it was the movies because in these. Oh, there's all these callbacks to the movies. Oh, in the in chapter five specifically, it's all Luke. And any time he thinks about the force, it's always. Well, on Dagobah, you know, when I was on Dagobah, when I was with Yoda and he taught me a thing on Dagobah, I'm like. Come on, dude. Luke has lived a while now. He, not every memory can be about Dagobah. Yeah, this has been 13 years since Han met Leia, according to Chapter 6. So we know that he's had a 13-year career as a fine Jedi. He didn't retreat into the mountains or open a school or whatever happened in the movies. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's it's really... Well, I mean, he did open a school. That is true. He did open a school. It's a very different school. Yeah. Uh, and, and he didn't get all butthurt when uh, one of the kids went all rogue and evil and he had to put him down. Yeah. Instead, he was like, well, do better next time. Yeah. And then he changed the zero on his time since one of our kids went evil to, to a one uh, for the number of days. Uh, okay, so, wait, that would be bad. Yeah, me, I know. I was like, was, wait, what? Man, these kids are going bad constantly. I can't. I can't even stop it. I guess he changed it from a this has never happened to a this has happened once. <laughs> there. There right. we go. The famous number, this has never happened. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Good. You know, so, it was <laughs> it was really the Arabs that gave us the concept of this never happened as a number. <laughs> yeah, it's weird that they call them Roman numerals. Wait, they don't. They call them Arabic numerals. Well, yeah, they do. Oh, geez, I'm in trouble today. <laughs> uh, why don't we just talk about Silverchair? At least I know something about that. <laughs> Let's talk about something I know about. 
like Silverchair, a band who I never wanted to listen to and don't remember the songs. Good. So anyway, uh, yeah, the chapter five is all Luke all the time. Uh, he has stolen an XP-38 Landspeeder, which you would remember is the only Landspeeder you're aware of. It's the one that uh, he has in the in New Hope. Uh, but this one's all shittier. Well, yeah, his, his Landspeeder in here, man, we are going to get pages of description on why this Landspeeder is shitty and how angry he is at whoever was taking care of this, that yeah. they didn't take better oh, care a, of it. A lot of wistful ruminating on the fact that this planet has no imports and therefore all the vehicles are probably all crappy like this because they have to be maintained with insufficient tools. And the, oh, well, you know, a piece of metal on a planet like this is worth a fortune gets brought up like five times. That's why people who live on this planet could never even discard a rusty bucket. Ugh. And it's just, yeah. I mean, it's some of it's good. It's it's good, interesting description at first. Yeah, no, the, the descriptions of the planet and its weird crystal nonsense, you're like, oh, cool. The first time you see it, you're like, oh, we've got a weird, like, crystal desert. Yeah, I kind of got. appreciate the non-glamorous nature of the crystals in this in this book. Uh, I was kind of worried that it was going to be all, you know, glowy, translucent crystals that give everyone power and everything. But no, it's just a shitty desert that you can kind of see through. Yeah, it's just, what is this? Well, instead of sand, it's crystals, but it's basically just, if there isn't water running through some place with some soil there, it's just crystals and it's garbage. Yeah, it's just hot, shitty crystals. Uh, so, yeah, he's he's riding along in this XP-38 he has stolen. Uh, which has a busted repulsor or buoyancy coil or both nerd alert or something. Probably both. Yeah, it has a busted nerd alert. <laughs> There's a nerd alert. <laughs> Man, that's a great Aquabat song. <laughs> uh, okay, so that's another thing I know enough about to talk about with confidence. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, yeah, this thing's all listing to one side and crappy and scraping on the ground. Like he has to use the force in order to lift the ass of this thing up so it doesn't scrape on crystals how'd it get to him then that guy wasn't a jedi whatever crazy theron old timer that was well i mean it was probably just busted yeah he's just scraping it on the ground he didn't give a shit but luke does so luke gives a shit so he's using the force to help him lift this thing which gives you a good idea of how powerful he is at this point that he's able to you know lift a ship and then fly it along yeah or at least lift the lift it off the ground without that being a problem well, I mean, he's mostly just helping. Because it's not like it's it dragging. Yeah. The buoyancy coil or whatever is weak. Mm -hmm. So it's like, it's it doesn't need to be fully lifted off the ground. It just needs to have help. Yeah. Except for later when he does do that. Yeah. So eventually, after riding through the desert towards what he's pretty sure is the nearest town, this thing starts to pretty much just give out. This this XP-38. Yeah. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to putter out and die on him. So he starts looking for shade or food or something, and he passes across another parked land speeder. Well, we got to get into something else first. Sure, John. Tell me all about it. That weird, dumb electrical thing. That's okay, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So as he's driving along, he the force picks up some sort of problem, and he looks behind him, and there's a wave of lightning headed his way. On the ground. like Yeah. So he, this is basically, he's like, all right, I've set my dumb speeder down and it's garbage. It's useless at this point. Mm -hmm. And he sees this wave of lightning going across the ground, which basically the way it's described looks like Sith lightning, but just crawling on the ground. Mm -hmm. And it is coming towards him and he just spends like a good couple seconds going, huh, that's neat. Yeah, like the neat lightning on the ground. That's a, that's an interesting natural phenomenon. I wonder what that is. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. That's that's bad if that hits me. Yeah, and so he uses the force again to levitate himself up for a bit so that it doesn't get him and it just passes by underneath. Well, he levitates the entire yeah, speeder. The, the entire speeder. Uh, now, the 
lightning is kind of following the path of a riverbed, but also just sort of spilling out over the landscape a little bit. Yeah, it's just, it is just a wave of lightning. Yeah, so a wave of lightning goes by, and then he parks the land speeder, watches that go by, and then is like, okay, now I'm going to go find that dude who I was talking about a second ago. Yeah, now I'm going to go find that dude who Jeff was talking about. Yeah, the book gets really, really reflective, (laughs) self-reflexive in there. It's real weird. It kept calling me by name, telling me to burn it all down. I don't know what that was about. I had to go into it for a while and give the childlike empress a name. <laughs> I had to go in there for a while. Macaulay Culkin was there. Whoopi Goldberg was a book. Ooh, wow, I have no idea what you're talking We're about. We're doing Pagemaster now, <laughs> okay. baby. Oh, that's good. Hell yeah. That's. I mean, I like my never-ending story bit, but sure, I'm on board. Yeah, but fuck you, I got another thing where <laughs> someone goes into a book. What's up now? Uh, that Futurama episode where the giant brain follows them through all the various stories. <laughs> I'm a gigantic brain. Good. The great. great brain am winning again, and now I will leave Earth for no reason. Good. There you go. Great. So there you go. I, I, Thanks. I've got it. I've got at least one it. more. I can keep doing this. <laughs> no, you can't. Can't I? Can't, can't I? Can I not? Can I? I'm pretty sure I can come up with at least one more uh, pop culture thing about someone diving in and out of books. But Pagemaster's a really good one. Yeah. Yeah. So fine. Who the fuck has thought about Pagemaster ever? True. No one that I'm aware of. No one has probably, ever thought about it. Probably Macaulay Culkin every now and again. Maybe. You know, in his quiet moments. <laughs> his quiet moments. You know, right now he's the executive producer of Toe Jam and Earl 2. Wow. I did not know that. That's a true fact that's happening right now. True fact. As we speak. He is he is bankrolling a new Toe Jam and Earl game. Man, that is... Might be three. I, think it might be I mean, three. I know I saw a new Toe Jam and Earl thing on Steam, mm-hmm. and I was like, huh, Okay. Yeah, well, Macaulay Culkin's behind it. Neat. Yeah, I'm super into that. I'm kind of way into this Macaulay Culkin renaissance that's happening right now, if I can be honest with you. <laughs> the Macaulay Culkin renaissance. The Macaulay-sance, <sighs> where, where he's just showing up on like random web videos and so on and just making fun of himself and just seems like, hey, f- fuck it, I'm a billionaire, what do I give a shit? I'll just have a good time. Uh... So, anyhow, uh, yeah, so at this point, Luke finds a guy. Luke finds a guy. Oh, I think I just found the name of the title of the book. Uh, <laughs> the and, name of the book. <laughs> Luke finds a guy. Star Wars and Luke finds a guy. <laughs> I like the and. Yeah. <laughs> no. So he he finds a land speeder and sees a dude sitting in the shade working on something or other. Uh, I think he's picking up some minerals or scrapping some metals or he's he's just doing some generic like farm type stuff because uh, he's near one of the old prison areas yes and, uh, and if you've forgotten that that's because this used to be a prison planet yeah yeah but there's like a little stream that runs past here and it's like the only place where any vegetation grows mm-hmm. and so he's out here just like getting water and fucking around i guess he's just doing uh, desert guy stuff yeah uh well although luke- the <laughs> the fact that luke at this point as well, this is more Dagobah nonsense, which is going to come up like 15 times. Mm-hmm. He's like, ooh, you know what I've got to do? I've got to cloak myself so that I'm inconspicuous and no one looks at me using the Force. A thing that Yoda told me about, and I'm pretty sure that's how old Ben got through the Death Star without anybody noticing mm-hmm. him. Yeah, let's close that loophole that everyone was really worried about. Yeah, also, Callista probably mentioned this at some point, too. Oh, Callista taught me, but Yoda mentioned it. Have I mentioned Dagobah? This planet reminds me of that for no reason. I like the part where, where there's a woman he's going to meet in a bit who's like a, an Aunt Beru-type figure, and he's like, she kind of looks like Aunt Beru. I mean, not really, but kind of, because it's a desert planet and she's an old lady. I mean, 
Sort of. She reminds me of Aunt Peru in, in the, that it's a desert planet. She and she's exists an old lady. here. Yeah, yeah, it's just so he's they're, they're so desperate uh. to to connect this thing to Dagobah. But yeah, he's he, instead of just going, "Hey, man," he uses the force to like cloak, make himself less noticeable for like two minutes, and then he walks up and he's like, "Hey, dude." Yeah, <laughs> like, "Oh, good job, you did it." You freaked him out instead of like walking up and him hearing you walking up and him being able to react to it. You get within like two feet of him, and then you're like. Hey, what's up? And he's like, holy shit! <laughs> and he, Well, he's like, oh, wow, you must be the guy who came down in that B-Wing a second ago, huh? Because I haven't seen you around here before. Yeah, and obviously you don't live out in the Crystal Desert, or you would be dead. Yeah, or, you know, all scruffy and shitty looking like me. You and you're definitely look- not a Theron. Yeah. Uh, so, Luke's like, yeah, man, whoever told me that B-Wings could make it through the gun emplacement was a liar. And this guy, whose name, by the way, is Arvid Scraff. Arvid Scraff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Scraff. Oh, Scraff. <laughs> So Scraff basically says, oh, yeah, you know, they those gun turrets aren't only automated. If they're warned that someone's going to come down, they can just turn them on and control them manually. I mean, if if the Therans are in there, they'll just shoot at whatever. Yeah. It doesn't matter. So so uh, it's not surprising you got shot at. Plus, you probably modified that B-Wing for cargo, didn't you? Because other people have tried. Uh, anyway, listen, let's... the only reason you'd be down here is because you're some kind of dude smuggling stuff in here. Obviously, you're not a secret Jedi. Mm-hmm. And but looks also, like, yeah, of course I've died. But also, instead of having that conversation right away, how about we have a conversation about the technical specs of the B-Wing for a while first? Because <laughs> people love that. Yeah, let's just get this page count going. <laughs> Come on, guys. How much per word? <laughs> Ugh. Uh, so Arvid turns out to be a nice dude who reminds Luke of a young Luke because he's a desert guy who lives in the desert. And Ugh. he's all scrappy. Yeah. Yeah. And Luke tells him, he's like, hi, my name is Owen Lars. You know, famously the father of a famous Jedi guy or the uncle of a famous Jedi guy. No, he's not famous. I guess no one knows who Owen Lars is. Fine. Yeah. But still, that was kind of a lame name. I was kind of hoping for a gay Ahab situation. <laughs> <laughs> That's not just me, right? If, if you'd been like, yeah, hi, uh, you can call me. I'm Pan Ishmael. <laughs> You can call me Bi-Curious Queequeg. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that seems like a normal name to me. Yep. What with, uh, there's definitely a senator running around in this universe named Q-Varks who keeps getting mentioned. <laughs> yeah, this is Star Wars. There is no name you could tell me that I would ever blink at and be like, my goodness. I was just disappointed when I found out what species Q-Varks is. I was kind of hoping for a robot or something. Q-Varks? I mean, that just sounds like it should be a furry. Uh, it, yeah, it's a fishy. Yeah, I know. It's a, yeah. Like, I was I was hoping for some kind of Nalronian. I was kind of hoping for a K-Pax situation. A K-Pax situation? Yeah, where it's like Kevin Spacey, but maybe he's an alien and you're not sure. <laughs> Come on. Do you know the movie K-Pax? No, I know! No one's the for- movie K-Pax. No one's forgotten the movie K-Pax, John. Everyone remembers it very well. Oh, everyone remembers it and thinks fondly on their memories of K-Pax and <laughs> Kevin Spacey right now. <laughs> I think Kevin Spacey is currently experiencing a career renaissance. <laughs> But, like, from the peasant perspective and not from the people who could afford to make art. Yeah. Yeah. They're like, oh, everything's great around here. I mean, not for me, but, you know. <laughs> I'm still digging through shit looking for shiny hay pennies, but, you know, I sure am glad the art scene's picking up. But, you know, that guy seems to enjoy his paintings, so that's nice. I love that Caravaggio. <laughs> Well, I'm not allowed to see the church, but, you know, I hear it's very nice inside. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, anyway, Kevin Spacey sucks. K-Pax sucks. Mets suck. Yankees suck. <laughs> Krypton sucks. <laughs> So, so yeah, they have a long, boring conversation, and then the upshot of it is that Arvid is a nice enough guy uh, that he'll be, he's like, hey, 
not only will I help you drag that shitty XP-38 into town so you can sell it to someone as scrap. Which, you know, I feel like there's a lot going on there where he's like, oh, we got to go get your uh, your shitty thing back because, you know, I would like some money out of that. Well, so. he, he, there's no point where he's like, also, I'll take a cut of any of this. He's just the nicest fucking guy. Yeah, no, I was really expecting it to be one of those situations where he's like, oh, yeah, the reason I want to go help you get your broken down speeder or the check out of- your B-wing yeah. is... Oh, uh, yeah, we need to help you get your stuff back. Also, I want 15%. Yeah, except that never happens. No, he's just just wasting his resources out of the kindness of his heart. Yeah, local dope offers to help Luke, basically, is what happens here. (laughs) Uh, So that's exactly what he offers. He's like, hey, I'll help you drag your land speeder into town, because obviously selling that thing for scrap is going to be the only money you'll have. But there might still be some chunks of B-Wing left, so we should head out there and see. We should get some B-Wing chunks. Because those are going to sell even better. So let's go see what's up. Uh, and as they're going back to Arvid's speeder, which Lord knows we get a fun description of that, uh, Luke realizes that there's some pain on his leg and a couple of uh, plasticky-looking purple welts. Yeah, and then he realizes, oh no, those are... Those are bugs. That's chitin. Those so, dudes are burrowing into me. So he notices that a bug has just recently burrowed into his leg, manages to pinch it at the source, and using the force, shoves it back out of himself. He basically just pinches a bug out of his leg and yeah. is like, ew. Yeah, it's like a little centipede thing, like like fingernail length, with a, with a, a ringed mouth that it burrows. It's a little burrowy bug. I just imagined it looking like like a small beetle. Yeah, I'm, I'm something like that. I kind of pictured a sort of a lamprey centipede kind of thing, but sure. I don't know why. It's not like we get that in the description. No, no. It's described as multi-legged with a ringed mouth. A ringed mouth. A ringed mouth. That's the part that gave me kind of lamprey feel was the, the ring mouth. Eh. But sure, it's just a oh, beetle. Sh- it's just <laughs> they've a got beetle. ring mouth. It's just a beetle with a ring mouth. If you look into this beetle's mouth, you'll die in seven days. It's a juicy jewel of flavor, ring mouth. <laughs> Two different directions. I know, but I like both of them, and it's fine. It's fine. You get your choice of stupid references here. Mm-hmm. Did you want the movie reference, or did you want the candy reference? <laughs> I mean, we could probably do a few more references if that's what you need. I mean, we could do some more ring references. Rings are pretty common jokes. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could say that he's taken the ring mouth to, I don't know, more Mount Doom. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> something, something. Anyway, uh, <sighs> Arvid's like, hey, those things are called drocks, and don't worry about it. They burrow into you, and then they dissolving you now he's like look don't try and really do it like you can't do anything about them yeah they are everywhere they get killed by the sun but if you're ever in any sort of shade they will just burrow the fuck into you and then he's like and they will dissolve in you which i cannot understand the life cycle of a drock it's like what do you do oh i burrow into an animal and then die i bet if enough of them burrow into an animal you get a disease. I mean, think about it, John. These are the local purple bugs. Leia saw local purple bugs. Oh, I know. And then Dazeem is a local purple bug. Well, that I, might have just been a weird dream she had. Uh, or she might have just seen that he had a whole bunch of bugs, like, burrowed into his arm or something. You think he's, like, mostly Drock? Like, he spends all of his time being getting... Like, he's a normal human, but he spends all his time lying in a big Drock cave and getting all Drocked up. Well, yeah, one of the things that uh, Scraff says <laughs> is that some people, when they're, like, out in the desert and they're like low on their food desperate. or whatever they're starving, yeah. they'll shove their arm into a hole somewhere get it covered in these drock that burrow into them and then they dissolve and give them nutrients essentially yeah you get all them arm delivered nutrients by just sticking your arm into a drock hole yeah i mean you're gonna have a bunch of little burrow holes all over your arm but at least it's better than starving it's kind of a neat idea that these things dissolve and then you get the calories from that 
Yeah, I mean, I mean again, it's one of the things way, where sure. I, I'm like, but normally if you were something that would do that, you would, I don't know, lay eggs or something before you dissolve. But I guess no. I guess these guys are just like, we're just happy to help. It's just <laughs> a special biology thing. Because, I mean, imagine if you were to, like, carve open your arm and sew a ravioli in there. That's not going to give you a ravioli's worth of calories. <laughs> it's just going to get infected and kill you. Uh... But apparently these bugs work different. Oh, so yeah. That's that's fine. So those are the local drocks, and I'm sure they're very, very important. So I'm sure. mark that down. But like they're they're dissolving isn't just like, oh, they kind of die and you absorb them. They like disappear. Because at one point Luke uses the force to try and kind of find one that's in his leg, and it, then he like sees it yeah, dissolving gets- in his mind, like its life force just kind of goes up. Yeah, it just disappears, and eventually he can't find it in his, in, even in his bloodstream or the force signature of it or anything. No, it just becomes part of it. It's just, yeah, it just becomes some Luke energy, like a sewed-in ravioli. But it took, like, three seconds for that to happen. He was like, oh, there's a bug in there. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I hear if you sew a lifesaver into your arm, it freshens your breath still. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, Arvid's speeder is even more sideways. Arvid's speeder has... What? It's Wooden charmingly ramshackle. Yeah, like, it, it's so sideways because its buoyancy coils are fucked up that he's built planks into it to straighten out the floor. Like he he has like ballast to shift the weight so that it isn't all tilted and fucked up. Mm-hmm. And then he also has a wheel in the back so that when it starts to dip, the wheel will just. <laughs> Which go. honestly, that showed up in uh, in episode eight. The, you know those those little. Uh, salt skimmers. This is very much like the Salt Planet crate, uh, in that it's covered in translucent crystals. Yeah. But uh, but in same thing here, he uses a wheel on his speeder so that it won't bang into the ground. Yeah. And he steers it like straight up with a rudder instead of uh, with like a steering wheel or something. Like, yeah. There's, no, he's there's... got a, a weird fucked up hover boat thing going on right I now. I kind of this is the part where I was almost kind of on board. Is this thing so ramshackle and well described ramshackle that I was like, oh cool, this is like a Mad Max planet. I'm into this. Yeah, and you know. Uh, Luke is looking at it going like, oh, God, this is garbage. And he goes, oh, no, don't don't let the look fool you. This has got some some real juice in her. And what like, a piece of junk, says Luke, just like in the movie, A New Hope. You remember you remember the Millennium Falcon? Because then Luke says, you know, just like the Millennium Falcon. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, you didn't need to say it. We all remember the movies. Come on. But I no. get paid by the word. <laughs> yep. He's got to go. Oh, yes. This is indeed a piece of junk. However, it maneuvers better than you would think, much like the Millennium Falcon. Which that has... my friend, Han flew. Yeah. You remember 13 years ago in A New Hope? Because the Millennium Falcon, like Han himself, has hidden depths. <laughs> it's got layers, like an onion. Also, Chewbacca's there. <laughs> Chewbacca's here. <laughs> I'm not part of this metaphor. <laughs> I'm pacing out of the metaphor. Arn. <laughs> I'm going to go play Wookiee Clicker. <laughs> And indeed he did. <laughs> Much Wookiees were clicked that day. Uh, <laughs> all right. Well, anyway, they, they managed to rig up the XP-38 and tow it. They get out to where the B-Wing is, and it has been stripped down to the soft chunks. There's nothing left. Oh, yeah. They took, like, anything they could find. Just bits of cushion. Mm-hmm. They took any large metal scrap. It's basically just... Uh, little pieces that flew off into the distance and scattered mm-hmm. to the point where it'd be like, oh, it's too much trouble to do, go, go try and pick up like a few square inches of metal 
from like the middle of a fucking crystal desert. Yeah. So, well, you know, he's consoling to Luke. It looks like it really doesn't matter. I just need to get to town. I need a little bit of money so I can make it across to town and I can get back I on my get to that Hoig Shul. He really wants to get back to his investigation and he's also kind of worried about what's up whatever's up with Leia maybe. Uh But so- he is he's convinced uh Arvid that he's like, "Ooh, I'm a smuggler and yeah. uh I need a little bit of capital, but don't tell anybody I'm here because I, I still owe on the things I lost in the crash. And yeah. So he's basically pretending to be Han yes. is what he's doing. Yeah, he's pretending to be a Han named Owen Lars. Yeah. Uh, and, and, <laughs> it would be great if you're like, yeah, my name's Han. Han Solo. Like, oh, Han Solo? General Han Solo? No, smuggler Han Solo. Oh, smuggler Han Solo? Uh, mm. I'm Owen Lars. <laughs> <laughs> Uncle Owen Lars? <laughs> Shoot, I'm a uh, brew, <laughs> brew Lars, brew newbie boo, newbie boo. Oh, brew newbie boo, the famous singer. Uh, <laughs> all right, I'm out. No. no, that's me. I'm brew newbie boo, the famous singer. <laughs> yep, that's that's the one. You Please get... regale me with a song. <laughs> I'd love to, but my throat fell out in the crash. I lost my throat in the crash. <laughs> How are you talking right now? I'm not <laughs> uh, psychoactive drugs. I'm on <laughs> glitter stim. I'm not talking right now. I'm. You just think I am because of how expressive my face is. I got that going for me. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, this is also a chance for Luke to ask some questions about the Theron old timers. Yes. And we learn some new information about them. Notably that almost everyone in town eventually joins the old timers for a while and then quits. Basically, the he pretty much goes along with a uh, description that like the old timer society is... Like, they've got a rite of passage where you'll just sort of go hang out with the old timers and, like, be on a trip for a while and mm-hmm. then come back. You you just sort of get a rumspringa, but it's in reverse because you go hang out with the Amish. Yeah, but it's, uh, it's, uh, it's interesting because it's, like, embarrassing to be an old timer to most of the people who live on the planet. It's a lot like you go off and go to a MAGA rally or something. You're just like, ah, fu- crazy, fucking reactionary, because blah. And then you're like, oh, wait, I do need to get a job at some oh, point. Oh, hold on. I got to uh, do something uh, let, with my let life. Just, let me just delete my Facebook. <laughs> Good thing I didn't get a face tattoo. Ugh. Yeah. So that's pretty much what the old timers are. It's a, it's a broad cross-section of population, but they're almost all just middle-aged, angry dudes. Yeah. And they've got... Someone that is called the listener who tells them what to think, essentially, Mm -hmm. who's like, oh, I know what's best for everyone. And uh, everyone just sort of gets brainwashed by the listener. Yeah. And so no matter what you say to them, they'll just be like, we don't want that. So at this point, they 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 sail across the desert back towards a horse with no name, a horse with no name. They they try to go back to. uh, Arvid's Aunt Jin's house. Ah, yes. Aunt Jin. Because Jin's going to help him out. Uh, and we oh, also- Jin is definitely going to help them <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, Jin's exactly what everyone needs at the moment. Uh, <laughs> just a big old glass of Aunt Jin. Just a pint of Aunt Jin, if you follow. Uh, Jin apparently is just you know friendly enough that they'll let Luke stay in her house in her house for a while, and then and then also help him get into town. Just because again, he's happened to cross the friendliest people in the desert. Oh yeah, just, just good luck. He's like, oh, I I live with my Aunt Jin, and she'll let you stay the night, and there's no problem. We'll let you. Have some food here, and we'll get you money. We know who to sell your speeder to. Yeah. We know who to talk to if you want to find out anything that's happening in town. Or like, Jesus, dude, you are like the one person that he needed to meet. Hey, do you also need my leg? <laughs> I've got three. <laughs> I'm not human. I don't know if I mentioned it. 
I'm the only Canadian on Nam Chorios. Na- <laughs> Canadians famously have three legs. And we'll give you one for free. <laughs> Here you go. Sorry, have a leg. <laughs> That's pretty much what's happening. Uh, so... At this point, they make their way to the outskirts of town where an extremely confusing thing is happening that Luke watches through binoculars and he descri- he does the whole thing as like a woman did something and then a speeder was going somewhere and then a man came out and then a thing happened to that man and then Luke adjusted his macro binoculars and could tell that a thing was happening to the woman from earlier. So you don't know what the fuck is going on? Like, I get that what's happening is the... The townies, the newcomers, mm-hmm. are attacking one of the gun emplacements. Yeah. Uh, they, the fight, though, ends up being, like, it's weird because they're all shooting at each other, except the people on top that are, like, the Therans who control the gun emplacement, who are just, like, throwing rocks and javelins and shit. Well, yeah, they're old timers. Yeah. And so, but they get a speeder and, like, modify it so that it just starts floating up the side of the thing. Yeah, one of the things is Luke takes a long time to point out that they they have a speeder racing towards the, the gun emplacement, which is flying way too high for a speeder. And he's like, that's super dangerous, unless the wind has really uh, died down today. Uh, they must have some kind of special thing. And then, sure enough, it gets to the wall. It just starts flying up the wall. Yeah, they're just like, oh, we've got a group of dudes... This is going to be how we storm the wall, mm-hmm. is we got a bunch of dudes on this speeder, and we're going to float it up to the top of the wall. Yeah. But then there's a lady who appears to be some kind of ninja with a whole thing of grenades? I couldn't tell what side she was on. Is she an old-timer? No, she blew up the... Oh, she blew well, up yeah, the gun she emplacement. Blew up the, no, she blew up the speeder. Yeah, see, that's the thing, is if they're raiding the gun emplacement, then then... then it's weird because she's on the side of the old timers, but she's like some weird ninja with a pouch full of grenades. And I'm like, what the fuck is going so on? So she here? blows up the speeder, but the speeder is on the good guy side. So presumably it's just a bomb. Well, there's they, no they, good guy side. Okay, here. well she's on the newcomer side. They rigged no, up. She's on the old timer side. I, I just asked you a second ago if she was an old timer, and you were like, no, no, she's not an old timer. She's on their side though, is what oh, I'm okay. thinking. All right, so she's not necessarily an old timer because she's too ninja. Well, what I was thinking was that's Callista. Oh, okay. We're thinking that's Callista. That's what I'm and the, thinking. And the Callista, for whatever reason, is on the old timer side. I'm going to tell you what I'm thinking, John. Callista's not on this planet. Yeah, well, that's fine. Yeah. Uh, you can think whatever you want. I can. I'm glad that my You've memory- read this book before, so I, you can tell me. You I, can I, spoil it right now if you I, want to. I read this book 22 years ago. <laughs> I have literally no memory of it. <laughs> uh, I don't remember where I was two days ago. <laughs> I've got Swiss cheese dad brain. That's right. So uh, you can trust that that all of my speculation about what's going on in here is genuine. I have no fucking remembrance. <laughs> and, and let's be honest. You've read six chapters of this now. You know that's true. Uh, <laughs> You're not going to remember this in a week. Oh, that's very accurate because... Now try remembering it in 22 years. This is this is 100 pages of fucking nothing. So this ninja lady comes swinging out of the old-timer building, lobs some grenades into the speeder, and then gets away, and the speeder blows up. Yeah, because... The reason I was thinking it was Callista is because she's straight like, oh, I know exactly where to hide so you can't shoot me. And then while I'm swinging, I'm spinning in such a way that you can't shoot me. And I drop grenades and I then swing on back to the other side where I was before. I'm like, okay, this is someone who isn't just 
oh, I've been on this planet. I'm a farmer. I'm an old timer. Yeah. And I've been here for a while. And no, it's she's also doing not like Merc training and stuff. Yeah. It's also not going to be like, I am a newcomer. I'm here to farm. She seems like a weird fucking ninja, which yeah. is why I was like, okay, that's got to be Callista or something. That's some kind of tactical badass. Now, Luke never goes, wow, that person's amazing. I wonder if it's Callista. No. He's just like, huh. All right. Well, yeah. they blew up that speeder. No questions. Just more stuff about macro binoculars. Uh, so, yeah, the speeder gets blown up before it can raid the building. And the then the uh, the people, the newcomers... Everything just devolves into yeah. fist fighting. Yeah, and then eventually the newcomers retreat. Yeah, the the whole thing is just, ah, oh, we're fighting, fighting, fighting real good. And then a thing comes in and uh, the emplacements start shooting at it. And basically it turns out that this was probably just a distraction to stop this gun from shooting on what's coming in. Yeah, and and Luke looks up and tries with the macro binoculars and figures it's a chunk of Seti Ashgad's ship. Yeah. And he knew that Seti Ashgad's ship was there and then it could split into six little ships so it would get shot at by the emplacements. So it would make very much sense if the newcomers were distracting because they're technically on Seti Ashgad's side or payroll or something. They are on his side because he wants to open up trade. Yeah. But they're also like, oh, Ashgad's like, the only one bringing shit in here. Yeah. Uh, so they were told that, like, oh, what was actually coming in was a shipment of, like, droids and parts. Yeah. Oh, that's right. And it isn't a shipment of droids and parts. It's a shipment of Princess Leia's. <laughs> yep. A whole bunch of them. <laughs> yep. They got Just more than... stacked like cordwood. Mm -hmm. Just, like, 15 malaria yeshes. <laughs> uh, so... Uh... Yeah. So at this point, Luke and Arvid go off to join the newcomers as they go back to their their town. Yeah, their their little hard scrabble settlement, and he meets up with a couple of local characters. Yep, there's some guy who's a huge asshole. Yeah, that's who's... Guernsey or Gurney or something yeah, like that. Yeah, Gu Guernica. Yeah, uh... it's definitely Guernica, though the painting with the horse that everyone knows. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> And that's the best way to refer to that piece of Picasso work, too. <laughs> that's the, it. The painting with the horse. You know, the painting with the horse. Everyone knows it. Isn't it actually about a Spanish Civil War or something? Mm. Nope. Definitely the horse in the middle. Oh, no. It's a painting with a horse. <laughs> it's the famous painting with horse. And if you're like most people, you've only ever seen it in art history class, which means you're not even sure about the horse, because it's always a two-page spread and the horse is always caught in the book crease. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this guy is a huge dickbag. He hates everything, and he's just grumpy and wants to kick out the old-timers and also doesn't have a problem with slavery? Oh, yeah, he's really into slavery and has a lot to say on the subject. He's like, oh, if they won't let us have droids, they could at least let us have slaves. Yeah, they, they are, the slaves are a specific species called bandies. Uh, the bandies are apparently only a little bit sentient. Yeah, they're like, oh, well, someone just faked the sentience test for them some bleeding heart liberal yeah he like literally says bleeding heart liberal yeah this book is weird and uh, yeah. luke at that point is just like on the verge of beating the shit out of this guy and he's like they are sentient you I, will shut the fuck I, up i have met them they, have, they don't have a lot of sentience but they do have gifts they have sentience in fact more than some people i've met like you yeah. you fuck man now they also meet a nice lady named you molly darm yeah uh who just some lady. Some lady. And then Aunt Jin. And Aunt Jin. Who's very much more savvy than Arvid is. Uh, she's like, what, why, are you, why are you bringing me this guy? And he's like, hey, uh, Aunt Jin, I done promised this here uh, out-of-town uh, revenuer that he could stay in the barn. And she's like, god damn it. <laughs> you fuck. <laughs> you dumb asshole. <laughs> no, I mean, she's nice. She's nice, but she's 
much more savvy than Arvid. But we also, uh, during the exchange with the various uh, newcomers when they're headed back to town, we find out uh, about the electrical wave. Yes, an electrical wave done struck the, the gun emplacement building. Yeah, they were like, oh, yeah, the... Uh, I think it's probably, you know, you hear stories that the listener or whatever, the Theron priests have powers and maybe they did this thing. And it turns out that the electrical wave started the same time that Luke used his powers to save himself from the B-Wing thing. Yeah, and he's like, oh shit, it's me. I caused that storm. And the storm done fucked up the town. Yeah. But the weird thing is... It's not like when he used his powers to lift a speeder and hang out above the storm, anything happened. Yeah, or when he pretended to not be there until he was two feet away from Arvid. Yeah, or when he was checking himself for bugs. Like, none of that force use did anything. Just the one. The dust cloud. When he did the dust cloud stomp, that could, which almost makes sense, because the ground lightning. So, he did a dust cloud stomp. That could also kick off a natural static electricity lightning wave if the planet bends that way, I guess. <laughs> The planet bends that way. If it's into it. If the planet is, you know, willing to get into it a little. A little bit of a bicurious queequeg, if you will. <laughs> a little bit. Uh, but yeah, he... <laughs> God damn it, now I want that shirt. Ah, uh, Pan Ishmael. <laughs> Pan Ishmael. Call me Pan Ishmael. <laughs> uh, also, so he's like, shit, I did that. But he also, back when the first lightning wave went by, he had this moment where he's like, wait a minute, I'm picking up life. Like, the force powers. My force sense is telling me that something alive is around here, and that doesn't make any sense, because everything around here is dead, but that's, that's gar- I guarantee you that's but you what, know what? What Yoda what, told me what was... What Ben Kenobi said, <laughs> what Callista said, what Callista's instructor, Djinn, told me at one point was, I can't use Jedi powers unless I reference a previous Jedi. Yeah, no, the, but this chapter is so much of, Yoda told me that... Uh, the life is there, and it finds a way. And do you dig up dig up dinosaur bones? <laughs> uh, but anyway, Luke's too dunderheaded to put together the sci-fi book conventions that definitely the planet's alive. Yeah, that the crystals are alive or whatever. This is some weird crystal planet. Yeah, and they react to force with with uh, like a defense mechanism. Uh, so I mean, put it together, dumbass. You've been on a living crystal planet before. You know what's going on. You know. This isn't even your first example of this particular trope. Uh, but yeah, now he's like, oh, I feel guilty because I started a weird electrical thing. Well, it did fuck up these newcomers' town. Their, their town is all like a bunch of shit went, off, went all crazy, and he actually killed a guy. Oh, yeah. Some guy was at a forge, and it like blasted the heat out of it onto mm-hmm. a dude. Yeah. And they're like, I don't think he's going to make it. Oh, one guy just straight up died. The other one's in critical condition, and they're like, he's probably going to die. Yeah. So he's already killed one, probably two people, by his force use. <laughs> How many more? <laughs> How many more must die to Owen Lars, the fake smuggler? <laughs> so, yeah. He is sad about that, but... Mad about you. <laughs> Jin is like, hey, you want to... Let's get you in here, but you know... You're a strapping young lad. You want to work? Sorry. Sorry. No, it's work. On my junk? <laughs> uh, uh, you want to plow the fields, if you know what I mean? The old back nine? No, they say that Namchorios is a dry and barren planet, but I know a place. <laughs> <laughs> I know of a fertile crescent, if you will. <laughs> no, Aunt Jen doesn't hit on him. No. Uh, Aunt Jen is... He, he, this is the lady where he's like, she's like Aunt Beru. You know, not so much in looks or I mean, doesn't look attitude. anything like Aunt Beru, but... But, but she's a lady who lives on a desert planet, so she's like Aunt Beru. Yeah. And she just wants him to stay and work for her. She's like, you're, 
you're a hard working, fighting, strapping, hard fucking. <laughs> you're a trucking and fucking. <laughs> why don't you stay here? I can't pay you much, but you will gain exposure <laughs> to bugs and desert radiation. <laughs> Come on, stick around. There's an arm wrestling contest. Uh, and he's like, no, no, I'm I'm good. I'm just going to sell this speeder off and then head to Huig Shul. Yeah, and, and they're like, all right, well, my cousin, a second cousin or something, is like, he owns the largest library in, in on Namchorios, and so you might be able to go talk to him, and he might be able to f- help you find the, the information you're looking for on planet. Yeah, uh, and if not him, that, then, then Seti Ashgad. Yeah, this person keeps track of all of the travel nonsense on this planet, so if someone came through, they most likely came through on Huig Shul. Yeah. And if they did, then this this person will know. Yeah, I, I didn't even bother remembering the librarian guy's name because that's just more... It doesn't matter. It's just decent. None of this matters. None, none of this fucking... Bandies don't matter, even if they make good slaves, apparently. Ugh. Uh, so, anyway, you want to jump to Chapter 6? You think we got enough Chapter 5? Yeah, I'm trying to think that's basically all we get out of here. Yeah, I think he just goes out and sits in the desert and looks at the sky or something. And he's like, hey, I think this planet might be alive. Also, there's bugs on it. And, oh, he does He does go, there's a part where he spends a long time looking at all the plants that the newcomers are growing. And like, ah, I recognize all of these plants, and now I shall list them. Ah, uh, yes, here's quibble crabs yeah. and crabobdables. Yeah, he's like, and that one's called Mamie, and those are fliffins. And, and oh, here comes some schnucks. It just goes on like that for a while. Uh, and there's bat mosquito kind of animals that he hates called Nathans. Yeah. And he's like, this stupid planet covered in Drox and Nathans. Nathans hot dogs. <laughs> yeah, it's Nathans. The planet's covered in Drox and Nathans. Yep. Uh, so, so, yeah, that's enough of him. Meanwhile, chapter six begins. And we finally see a new character. What's up with Han Solo? That's right. We are 100 pages in. Mm-hmm. That's where chapter six starts. And we have just seen the first of Han Solo. Jesus Christ, book. Fucking move it along. <laughs> we are 25% of the way through. Over 25% of the way through. And we haven't even been introduced to all of the main characters yet. Ugh. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Now, Han is hanging around in his indoor, but under a big balcony, because they're rich. This well, this is where they put up diplomats that they want to impress. Yes. They have to specifically say that, like, we can't say that this is what Leia owns or Han owns, because then they seem like rich assholes. But if we just say that they're in lavish, ridiculous uh, surroundings, but it's because the people are putting them up there. Yeah, That's this, better. This this whole chapter is the book going hard into Nancy Myers mode, uh, like where it's just lavish descriptions of cornices and crown molding. Like the, We just get so much crap about how nice this house is. The worst part is that it's from Han Solo's perspective, and I'm like, Han doesn't give a shit. Well, he, He's not yeah. going to sit there and be like, Oh, the flowery molding on this is quite exquisitely done. Whoever the craftsman was. And I'm like, he doesn't care. Yeah, Han is wandering around an apartment-sized kitchen wearing a white turtleneck and drinking a glass of Chablis. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay, so actually what he's doing is sitting poolside when this chapter starts uh, as his two little kids, two of the twins, paddle around in the water accompanied by the Leia lookalike bodyguard intelligence officer with a perfect memory who is now their nanny, Winter. Yes. Uh, this is our first time ever seeing her on in this, in this book. Yep. Uh, so Winter is paddling around with them, swimming fish-like, according to Han. Oh, yeah. And 
Anakin is alive, but a wee bab inside a like <laughs> force retaining bubble. He's in a, some sort of force. Well, he's not in the force bubble. No one here's a Jedi. No, no, but well, a force he, field thing. Yeah, he's, yeah, he's in like a deflecting play place. Like <laughs> instead of going, here's a box, stay in there. They're like, oh, well, we've got to create a little force field around you so mm-hmm. you don't crawl out somewhere. That's the future of childcare. You just put him in a force box. <laughs> so he's trapped in a shield, which he is gently exploring the edges of. He's trying to find a way out. He's like, yeah? Uh, no? Okay. Yeah, I'm a baby. Uh, they test it every day. <laughs> These Anakins are getting smarter. Uh, You'll see an Anakin in front of you, but the attack will come from the left. <laughs> you don't see the Anakin coming in from the side. <laughs> Clever girl. <laughs> So anyway, uh, so the family's all hanging out. Han is looking at a computer, which is displaying a bunch of repeated messages that are basically, he calls them scramble nines, and they're like emergency alerts or something. That he, I guess, doesn't have the ability to unscramble? Uh, Yeah, I think Because he's like, boy, I sure wish 3PO was here. Yeah, where's golden rod when you need him? Where's a nice golden rod when you need it? (laughs) Uh. <laughs> Someone call me Wedge Antilles. Huh? It's time for that unspoken tension to get more spoken. <laughs> Let's speak to tension. So, so yeah, he's he's complaining that there's no droid who can help him decrypt all these weird messages. Uh, Lord, Lord knows C-3PO is the only protocol droid in the universe, so... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's the only way you could possibly decode anything. The basic gist he, is that he knows something's gone wrong with Leia's mission. She's late. She's very late. Yes, she's late, and he's like, well... What I would like to happen at the moment is for her to send me an email that just says, Hey, Han, I pulled the entire fleet over so I could buy shoes. Hey, we had a, a impromptu meeting with, about something on some planet. Cyblock we 12. And then we went to, to, to Coruscant and had another meeting, and then I went and got shoes. And sorry, didn't email you. Bye. Yeah, he wants this to just be a sexist thing he can write off. Where he's just like, ah, yeah, she pulled the entire fleet aside for shoes. That's my wife. Yeah, that's my wife. That's Leia for you. Always wanting shoes and fucking up protocol. So, and he does know that she's on a secret mission. That the mission that she's on is literally, it would bury her politically if anyone knew she was doing it. Because she's not meeting with with the elected representative of the planet. She's meeting with some guy. Yeah. Which I don't know why that would bury you politically i know i like the, the this apparently you can only meet with like the king of any given planet and if you meet with someone else from the planet it's like bad for you yeah because i was like okay it's not like this is a planet in the new republic the whole point is that the old timers don't want to be in it yeah which means if she met with someone that wanted to be in the new republic you would think that they wouldn't be like oh, scandal you'd be like oh yeah obviously that makes sense you'd want to meet with someone that wants to join you well apparently everything that we're learning about the the uh, new republic at the moment indicates that the senate is basically a near deadlock yeah. on, on every single decision well it's just because of the sentience thing and the, the day star council or whatever they're yeah, calling them, the know. guys who were like into sentience uh but but basically if any kind of political turmoil gets out of any sort anything that, a scrap that can be used to, to attack people it will be yeah uh, now, Han Han spends some time reflecting on how all the droids in the house look like they were built for the house. Yeah. Just well, like, this oh. was Palpatine's old villa. Oh, so this is the skyhook of Palpatine, where the gardener was pretty good until he died in that turbo lift accident. <laughs> I mean, it's not, but... Eh. 
I mean, it could, if it's, it, I guess Palpatine probably just had a lot of villas. The rationalists and the rights of sentience. That's what I was trying to find. Yeah, the, there rights, we go. the rights of sentience are the ones who are calling themselves the Daystar or something. Or other. Yeah. And then there are the rationalists. Yeah. Who don't care about sentience for some reason. Well, it, it's the specific fight they're having at the moment is over synth droids, where the, the, uh, the Daystar people are like, hey, they're, they're made of meat, so they count as sentient. Well, the whole thing, they're like, droids are sentient. Yeah. They should be afforded rights. And the rationalists are like, nah. I mean, the whole thing in this book where droids apparently are not afforded rights is weird to me. And I don't, I don't remember where the 3PO part of, of this week's episode falls in. Is it, is it at the end here? Yeah, it's basically at the so end of So it's this. still coming. All right, good. Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, Han mopes around his house for a while trying to figure out what he's going to do and kind of being mad at Leia for not not re- reacting to the situation she's stuck in the way he would have. Uh, and I if you like we get a description of Chewbacca coming out of a pool and shaking himself off like a dog. Yeah, that's pretty great. And not only that, but but apparently Jaina is currently in a braiding phase, and so she spends all day just braiding Chewbacca. Yeah, so he's just got parts of him in braids. Yes, just one of his arms is mostly braided. So that's that's pretty great to learn about. Yeah, uh, it's nice to get a little Chewbacca check in. Just a little bit of Chewbacca nonsense before like, we leave him again. I feel like the Chewbacca check in is the kind of thing we should do that has stingers, like some ah. music cues and so on, because all these books sideline him so hard. Oh yeah, it's just and now what's Chewbacca doing? He is in the background, harning. He has an opinion about meat. Yeah, and now back to the story. <laughs> so anyway, he shakes himself off. Now at this point, a voice from inside the villa is like, "Oh, Han, you have two people outside." They have refused to announce who they are. I'm shitty Butlertron. Would you like me to detain them, or will you let just let them in? And Han's like, "Oh my god, just let them in." Yeah, he's like, "I don't, I don't want to just sit there and like spy on them before we decide if we're letting them in." Just Jesus, I don't care. I just remember what happens at this point. Uh, the door opens, and he su- sees who it is, and he says, "I've got a bad feeling about this." Yeah. And then we cut to C three PO. Yep. <laughs> We don't get to know who they are until, oh, the, the suspense must be killing you because you won't find out until later in the same chapter. That's right, until 15 pages later because these chapters are enormous and do nothing. The other funny thing is that the fa- the, he's like, oh my god, if it's these two people, then things must have really gone bad. Who are the two people? Well, it's Mon Mothma and some fucking guy. And her bodyguard. Who doesn't even get a name or anything. So he's like, when these two people show up, you know it's serious. And I'm like, no, it's when this one person shows up. Yeah, the, and the whoever person the fuck, doesn't matter. And whoever the fuck she brought with her. It's not like it was a big surprise that these two people it's not like it was, oh, Mon Mothma's here, and she brought Talon Card. <laughs> <laughs> it's Mon Mothma and Elan Slays Baganiano. Biggie Biggie Goo Baganiano is the uh, the son of Elan Slays Bagano. He, he, uh, he changed the family name to avoid the embarrassment of his dad. <laughs> the embarrassment of his dad who rethought his life yeah, eventually did rethink his life but it was too late he'd already got those too late he'd seen everything he already had those old-timer face tattoos <laughs> uh all right so so yeah, so, yeah it's 3po 3po their their predicament that they're flying randomly into space has been solved off screen because a dude is wandering around on their ship now yep and it is the captain of the pure Sabak, which I remember from the game. There's a there's a ship in here called the Pure Sabak, though it's not what this guy is flying. No, this guy's flying a cargo ship. The Pure Sabak is a tie striker. Yeah, I was like, hey, wait a minute. Uh, so just there's just two ships in the universe with that name, which isn't too surprising because Pure Sabak is basically the equivalent of saying Blackjack or Royal Flush. Yeah. So it's it's not a big surprise that it's a name. Uh, I think Pure Sabak. Sabak means you have a natural positive or negative 23 in your Sabak hand? Yes. Yeah, okay. So it's not the idiot's array. 
No. That's a, you could also name a ship that if you were a moron. If you were a yeah. moron. Pure Sabak doesn't have that idiot in the name. No. Uh, so, so yeah, the, the Pure Sabak is piloted by a dude who, of course, re- reminds Han Solo, or C-3PO of Han Solo. Yes. Just because he's a smuggler. Ah, you remind me of Han Solo. You also remind me of everyone else. You remind me of Luke Skywalker as well. And if Skywalker were here, you'd remind him of Yoda. And if Yoda was here, you'd remind Yoda that it's time to nap. <laughs> he was quite old, you know. Uh, so, so yeah, this dude is named Captain Bortruck, which made me think he's probably an orc. <laughs> yes. Captain Bortruck. <laughs> I'm here to get some guffins. <laughs> You're going to join the Grand War. <laughs> <laughs> so Bortruck's just sort of leisurely stomping around. The, the problem is, I thought he was an orc, but there's a one-sentence line in this book that's, Bortruck was human. Yes, there is. Yeah. <laughs> As if you were going to get worried about that. Uh, They're like, oh, wait, we named him Bortruck. Hold on. Bortruck was not an orc. <laughs> Hang on. Then the people are just going to think he's a goblin or something. Riptooth Bortruck was not an orc. <laughs> Riptooth Bortruck. <laughs> he's captain of the speed demons, he is. <laughs> I got my metal claw. First thing we're going to do is paint this ship red. <laughs> it goes faster. <laughs> I wish Bortruck was an orc. In fact, you know what? I'm just going to retcon that. In fact, you know what? Fuck it. Bortruck's a space orc. It's done. We've got orcs now. <laughs> this is the first orc in Star Wars. Uh, Bortruck's stomping around the inside of this random scout yacht, uh, kind of demanding, making questions, uh, making demands and issuing questions. Making demands, issuing questions, yeah. questioning demands. <laughs> questioning issues. <laughs> issuing questions. <laughs> a whole variety of things. Uh, and we learn right away here that 3PO literally cannot say no to a orc. He's just a droid who can't say no. God damn. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you fuck. That was brilliant. Why are you calling me a fuck? <laughs> I am legitimately impressed. I'm on your side here. Uh, uh, but yeah, it turns out that 3PO is not allowed to say no to people. Well, no to humans. It does say that's no, why no to humans. It specifically says that he was a human. How racist were the programmers of 3PO? It was Anakin. Yeah. He can't say anything wrong or bad to humans. I wonder if they, they meant this to leave it that way. Like, literally, 3PO has to be nice to humans. Or if they probably meant sentience. Nope. Because it, it says given humans. It says he can't disobey the, the instructions of humans. Bortruck is human. Well, we're going to have to amend that, though. It's, it's oh, yeah. He can't <laughs> say no. no to space orcs. He can't say no to humans. And also, he's not going to say no to a fucking orc. I mean, shit, no. Half that dude's armor is made out of old protocol droids. Shit, yeah. He'd be melted down into gold teeth. <laughs> Yep, so better say yes to this guy. Bortruck basically is very obviously here to just take this ship and anything on it. Like, 3PO's wandering around just giving him the tour, and every time Bortruck has anything, he's like, yeah, uh uh-huh, yeah, I'm going to steal this. Uh, I'm definitely not here to help. Anyway... I mean, I like the 3PO's like, of course, help, please help us get, it to, get us to the military base on Cyblock 12. And, and he's like, yeah, uh-huh, sure, whatever. Yeah, that's and, and again, as two droids, you can't say no to me, right? Like so, if I could just take this ship, it, it's just mine. This is a this is why you can't have droids fly a ship anywhere, is because they'll just have to give it to whoever stops them. Which is weird to me because it also says that like three PO couldn't argue with him either. Not even just disobey a command, but like couldn't argue with him. And I go, that's must be new because three is pretty argumentative. He was a 
a little bitch baby about everything all the time. So the fact that he can't just be like, oh, no, that's terrible. Please don't do that. The odds of me letting you steal the ship are 5,721 to 1. You bitch. (laughs) And then he just pulls out a gun and shoots him. (laughs) And then he pulls out a cigarette. Yes. Yes. Sassy 3PO, out. (laughs) But no, this isn't Sassy 3PO because Bortruck is bullying him around and is going to shove... Uh, Marcopius into space. Just the whole unit he's in. Oh my god. So Marcopius has been, like we mentioned earlier in the previous episode. Shoved into a freezer somewhere. He's in a freezy doodle so that he won't infect anyone with the death seed plague. And w- the moment that Mar- that uh, Bortrock learns what's going on with Marcopius, he's like, yeah, okay, great. Help me. F- I, at this point, he's a space orc with uh, that voice. Hey, yeah, like a Norm MacDonald voice. He's a Norm MacDonald the space orc. Yeah. Hey, you. Anti-grav lifters. Help me get this thing out of the ship. Yeah. Yeah, see? Yeah. Come here, Muggsy. No, the the whole weird thing about this where 3PO is like, this is really disrespectful. And while I personally do not give a fuck what happens to a dead body. It would be perfectly fine if he was stewed and fed to other humans. That would be great as long as, you know, you made sure he didn't have any infections. Or and, if, and of course, if the stew was delicious. And and of course, if, if it was displayed elegantly. Yeah, if it had aesthetic appeal. If this is my aesthetic. Yeah. As if he's just Hannibal Lecter on the inside. If it weren't for those pesky three laws of robotics. Oh, yeah. No, if it wasn't for a restraining bolt, fucking he would be cooking up people left and right. That would explain the droid 000 from the Expanded Universe. (laughs) The black C-3PO who was an assassin. Yeah. Uh, Okay. But anyway, Bortruck eventually comes around to R2, who, of course, is squealing and complaining and being like, hey, I'm a droid that has some kind of sense. I'm a droid that can say no. Which Bortruck just sort of flips him around, opens up the back of his head, and takes out his will to do things. Yeah, he's just like, and let's flip your switch from don't do stuff to do stuff, and there we go. Yep, all set. No problem. <laughs> all right, you two, go get on my ship. And then they do, and, and it, 3PO never quite puts it together that they're being stolen. It's the last line of this chapter. Well, yeah, I mean, throughout the whole thing, he's basically like, oh, yes, finally, we're being saved, and I'll... He tries to... Tell Bortruck, he's like, oh, when you take us to Cyblock, I can't promise you anything, but you'll definitely get rewarded for the information we have. Yeah. yeah. And they get onto a ship, and he has clearly just looted the planet. Uh, yeah, because Duran, Duran, the nearby planet, is currently in, in the middle of a civil war. So he just escaped with a bunch of valuables. So he's got a whole big thing of, like, silver and gold and jewelry and art pieces and furniture frankincense and myrrh a couple of people yeah he's just stolen a bunch of shit from the planet a whole bunch of religious iconography and gold coins in particular well yeah because the religious iconography is all like expensive nonsense it's just like what is this oh it's platinum inlaid with jewels yeah so he's got a bunch of that crap 3PO immediately identifies all the value of it. That's the whole thing where he's like, hmm, yes, factoring in the fact that they are currently at war, which would raise the price of artifacts off-planet, uh, I recommend. I, I assume you have between 21 and 23 million credits on board. Ooh, what sort of person are you? And he's like, uh, I'm obviously a pirate who's taking your shit. I'm obviously some kind of asshole. Anyway, uh, uh, no, I was... I'm holding take, it for I'm, people. I'm, I'm holding. I'm yeah. holding. Yeah, he says he's like a, a holding... Uh, company like a like an off, offshore bank basically. It was, oh, the the people there because war was happening. They decided it was time to get rid of all of these, so I took it off their hands. Mm-hmm. And at, th- at this point, he's like, "All right, R two, come with me. C three PO, you got to stay in this room." My my nav computer is fucked up, so I ripped one out of your ship. Yeah, and I'm gonna take three R two D two and three PO. After he leaves the room, he spends some time calculating the value of everything in there, and then he goes. 
to the wall because there's just a computer in the wall. And he's like, okay, what's actually going on? Hey, computer. Hey, tell me things. Me. And the computer's like, beep, 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 beep. And he's like, oh, God. Your nav computer isn't broken, and we're not going to Cyblock 12. We're going to Sanadon. Oh, dear me. We've been stolen. Yeah, you're a giant dumb idiot. <laughs> uh-huh, sure. It's not like he can do anything with that information anyway. Yeah. I mean, he just can't say no to people. Yeah. It's he's got a weak personality. He's he, just, needs, he needs therapy. He's just sad. Yeah, it's not a good thing. Not a good look for 3PO. Wow. Oh. Anyway, the person who shows up at Han's house is Mon Mothma and her sad-looking bodyguard. And boy, howdy, if the first two pages of this isn't, Mon Mothma's so fucking pretty. Let me tell you about how pretty Mon Mothma is. Well, used to be. No. Goes through and is like, this is Mon Mothma, and she's pretty. And then goes... She's weak, though. She's been infected with some poison, and now she's got these, and she's all saggy and uh, gaunt. Death hangs off her. You can tell that she's all fucked up, but she's still a hot piece of ass. I'm like, I remember what Mon Mothma looked like. Yeah, it's weird that you would ever be like, oh, my God, she's so radiantly beautiful. Yeah. "Eh." Maybe maybe the big white dress was selling him or something. I don't know. He seems to have a thing for that type. I guess the big, big flowy, white big flowy white dresses. Yeah, and, big white dress and, and uh, hair and buns. Yeah, up hair. That's that seems to be Han Solo's thing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I see Mon Mothma. And I'm like, hi there. I'm Mon Mothma. Uh, Mrs. Dratch is not in school today. Uh, we're just going to pick up right from where she left off. <laughs> Guys, please attention. Can I have your uh, attention, please? Uh, we're going to do roll call. I know it's funny. Uh, I, I'm sure you're trying to think of, of fun puns for Mon Mothma right now. You could just call me Mon. It's fine. Honestly, I'm just going to show you two episodes of DuckTales. <laughs> uh, yeah, the... But yeah, sure. The she... weird thing for me is Han is also thinking about, like, ooh, Luke's on that planet or whatnot. Because and... of Callista. And he's like, why didn't they just listen like, to Callista? Man, you know what? Callista was fucking hot, too. That's you right. see the lips on Callista? There was a whole part where he was like, fucking, I remember Callista. Oh, man, husky voice like a teenage boy. Oh, shit, dude. She she had legs that went on for days and lips that wouldn't stop. And you're like, Eyes Han, the color of rain. Han, chill out. Also, please do explain to me the color of rain, Han. Yeah. What, what is that nonsense? You mean, you mean Rain the Ninja from Mortal Kombat? She had purple eyes? Yeah. I'm on board with that. That's fine. <laughs> That's going to be my new canon thing going forward. Oh, good. Yeah. And I, I just assumed she had see-through eyes, and it was terrifying <laughs> to look her in the face. The, the biggest problem with all of that is that she's not in her own body. She's in a borrowed body from Dr. Joy or whatever. Thank you. Yeah. Every time someone was like, ooh, Callista was so hot, I was like, no, you mean the doctor that she possessed was really hot? Yeah, the, she traded bodies with some force doctor, uh, and, and then she looked like that person. Yeah. But, but sure, whatever. It's fine. I you know what? Maybe maybe that's just the trans experience of Star Wars, where like you trade bodies with a doctor. It's like <laughs> you trade bodies <laughs> with a doctor and, and, specifically. And these people are being super progressive and being like, no, no, she's in that body. That's her body. She's <laughs> fucking sweet and hot looking. And I'm a good person for saying so. <laughs> she's hot, and I would definitely fuck her. And I'm a good person for saying that I would go to Bone Town with my friend's ex. The best thing, the, the most important progressive good thing I can say about her is that I would fuck her based on her teenage boy voice. <laughs> Yeah, there's a lot of Han. Han's horny as fuck in this because he's also like, oh man, I remember the last time I had sex with Leia in this room, and I'm like, Han, keep it in your fucking pants for like five seconds. You know, Chewbacca can smell it every time you get horny, right? Ugh, That's God. one of your gross hormones that he can pick up. And he's be like, oh, God damn it, Ugh. this life debt was the worst. How long do humans live? <laughs> 
Yeah, every time Han gets horny, and he's like, oh, it smells like Drakkar Noir in here. <laughs> and he's like, Mon Mothma, what the f- She looks like my grandmother, Han. <laughs> oh, no, nah, she's so beautiful. God, have you seen that big white dress on Updo? <laughs> That's my thing. That's my specific thing, is people who dress like a ghost from the neck down. <laughs> uh... Beehive up top, ghost on the bottom. That's Ooh, Han's yeah. jam. <laughs> That's what Han Solo likes. Han Solo likes big flowy dresses and taped down boobs. <laughs> Hi, I'm Han Solo. <laughs> Do you sound like a teenage boy? I'm into it. <laughs> Contact me on LinkedIn. Uh, so Mon Mothma's here to basically just explain what's happening. The fleet has disappeared off Damchorios. Yeah, no one knows what was actually going on. And they don't know what to do. Fucking uh, Re- a- Riki, uh, the other guy, is deathly ill. Oh, uh, Riacon. Riacon. Riacon's actually a character from the movies. Like, he's actually one of the generals who shows up. Riacon? Uh, so, so Riacon is deathly ill because one of the synth droids apparently got to him and gave him that death seed. Because they mentioned that that was the plan back, back at Beldorion. Well, they said that he was going to go into a coma. Yeah, I, I think whoever's They got, didn't say he was going to get the death plague. No, and, and it's important he goes into a coma because that way they can't resolve politically what the next step is. Yeah, because if Leia is gone and this dude is incapacitated... Instead of a chain of command that goes beyond two people, mm-hmm. it's if these two people are gone, then we have to decide it with a Senate vote. And the Senate is currently at each other's throats. Yes. So that, basically, this is the plan working. Uh, but, Riacon, but the whole thing about Riacon being sent into illness is tossed off in a one-sentence description. Like, anyway, this guy's going into a coma. That doesn't matter. That's, un- that's unfortunate. Anyway, let me list a bunch of places and Senates and so on. Uh, and then Han's like, well, couldn't we just fake like hologram transmissions of Leia. Trust me, I've got a lot of holograms of Leia. And, and she's like, no, two people have already tried that. Uh, one of them was found as a fake. It was probably the Daystar Institute because there was a bunch of shit about sentience. And the other one was probably the Tervesig people because they're into slavery. And it was a, it was a, it was basically a, a real shitty hollow of Leia hollow being like, I love slavery. <laughs> yeah. Hi there. I'm princess Leia. And I love Bandy slaves. <laughs> yeah, it was just <laughs> real nonsense, and I love the idea of that going out. I like the idea that it played backwards at first. They got it wrong. Runyup von Hirnfuhrer. Oh, oh yeah, no, <laughs> that's someone on the Senate. <laughs> Runyup von Hirnfuhrer. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. <laughs> well, at this point, we get a list of senators who are doing various things, including my favorite guy, Q-Varks. Oh, Q-Varks. I was really hoping for Q-Varks to turn out to be some kind of, like, robot man from the Trade Commissions or something. He's a Moncal. Yeah, it's weird. And his he... name is Q, the letter Q, dash Varks. Yeah, I was thinking Q-Varks sounds like a Nalronian. I mean, we know one Moncal's name. Let's, we only really know the one. And it's, you know, Akbar. Well, we know a couple more. Yeah, we know a couple more now, but yeah. the, the first one is Akbar. And Akbar, I mean, I guess if Ak was a letter, it could be like Ak dash bar. Ak dash bar. Yeah, maybe, maybe. You know what? Fine, I'm I'm fine with it. It just doesn't seem like it should be spelled in that robot way. No, but yeah, Qvarks is involved somehow that I don't care to describe. Um, so the two of them are basically describe are planning what they're going to do. Han is being tasked with because they can't do an official response. Oh no, because not only can't they go through official channels because everything's all fucked up with the Senate, but if they like, admit that Leia is missing, then it'll fuck things up even more. Yeah. Uh, so 
Mon Mothma's here to plan a secret mission. And she's like, all right, Han, what do we need? And he's like, well, I'll go get Lando. Lando's going to have his own ship. Obviously, I'm going to need Lando. And I don't know why, but I will obviously need Lando. I like, ba- I like to think about it based on the movie Solo at this point, and then he just wants to get Lando because it would piss Lando off. He's like, well, first off, I need Lando. Why? Because that's hilarious. Because <laughs> Lando won't want to do it. Because <laughs> he's going to be like, please don't make me do this. Please, Han, I just do not like you. <laughs> Uh, hey, buddy, remember when you sold me to Vader? Uh, I'm going to make you pay for the rest of your fucking life. <laughs> but uh, then we get a rattling off of every minor luminary minor from previous Jedi. books. It's like, oh, well, I'll also need Kip Duron. Yeah, you need to get me Kip Duron and Wedge Antilles if he's available. And are you okay with me bringing Mara Jade in on this? Why? Why are you bringing Mara Jade well, in on this? He says specifically that Mara Jade is the best at quartering up a, a sector. That she's really good at finding people in areas, which makes sense because she, I don't know, you probably don't know Mara Jade. I don't know anything about Mara Jade outside of she's got red hair and she's feisty. Her official title was the right hand of the emperor Uh or the emperor's fist or the emperor's hand or something. I think it's just the emperor's hand. And she was like his private assassin. Mm -hmm. Uh, So that's, and then it turns out way later that that she was the right hand of the emperor and there was a left hand of the emperor too. (laughs) But yeah, so she's good at finding people and killing stuff. Uh, That's, that's her jam. Uh, and he's like, yeah, you need to get Kip Duron, you need to get this person, this person, this person, and, and uh, don't tell anyone anything, and give them all ships, and have them meet me at this coordinate or whatever, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. Uh, that, that's his plan. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get the fucking Falcon, I'm going to get Lando, and I'm going to laugh at him, and then we're going to meet up. I'm going to finally get my degree. <laughs> and we get descriptions of how Mon Mothma is basically FDR at this point. Yeah, she's all- like, no one is allowed to see that she is actually weak, mm-hmm. so she has canes that she'll use to walk. But not if anyone can see her. I think my favorite part of this whole description here is when the two of them are sitting down and having this conversation, and a wooden droid comes in. Yeah, oh, there's a wood. There's like a wood panel droid. Yeah, there's like a 1970s style green wood panel droid that trundles in with <laughs> a, with a your drinks, sir. It's the kind of droid that like cousin Polly had in Rocky Four. <laughs> but he's like, yeah, of course the droids in this house have to look like they're part of the house, because that's how you have expensive asteroids. Yeah, it's expensive in order to have your droid be a Woody. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it's expensive to get a Woody these days. Yeah, it's yeah. real expensive Which is for weird, because apparently Han is a Woody all the fucking time. Oh, oh yeah. But yeah, this wood panel droid comes trundling in with a glass of wine for the Senate. Oh, no, sorry. Hot a cocoa. mug of hot cocoa for, for Mon Mothma, and a glass of beer for Han. Yep. Sure. I, I mean, I think he was drinking a beer when we first saw him, but it feels weird to have beer be mentioned as a word in Star Wars. Well, it feels weird to have hot cocoa be a thing that that's is, mentioned. That isn't the first time that's happened. I know. It just feels weird. There's a, there's a book where hot, where Luke is given hot cocoa, and he's like, what an interesting drink that Winter has introduced me to. Hot cocoa. It appears to be made by filtering milk and chocolate together and then heated. Marshmallows are added. It's just like, oh my God, what the fuck is this? I forget what book that is, and someone's going to tell us, because people have been telling me all day what, what the... Uh, where the spice mine stuff happened. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving forward, Han's going to launch his secret mission. He needs the Falcon to do it. Uh, but yeah, that, like my favorite part was this little description of the two of them sitting down. And then when the hot cocoa arrives, Von Mothma shivers. And so we'll, so Chewbacca goes and finds one of Leia's shawls and gives it to her. And she's like, aw, thanks, Chewbacca. You and I have a private friendship outside of all this bullshit. <laughs> You're my friend. Yeah. We talk uh, in private away from Han. Where I can treat you like an actual person instead of the family dog. Like, it's not just subtext, it's text. She's like, looks warmly at him and is like, ah, Chewbacca, my old friend who I've experienced many things with. I'm, uh, yes, I did deny you a medal that one time, but, but otherwise, you and I have been through a lot, you and me, Chewbacca. Please cancel this life debt. <laughs> <laughs> 
we could actually use you as something other than the big furry thing standing behind Han. Yeah. You're you're actually useful in so many ways when you're not just having to follow Han around and save his dumb ass. Anyway, the chapter all comes to a boring end when Han's like, and I guess I got to start pre-travel flight plans on the Millennium Falcon, my ship with hidden depths. <laughs> and 120 pages in, still no Lando. Well, he's we, mentioned. Yeah, but like, he's on the back cover of the book as a main character is Lando. And oh, fucking, <laughs> it's 120 pages and he has not shown up yet. For a second, I thought you meant that there was a picture of him on the back of the book. And I was like, oh, that's bad optics. Oh, that's, that's oh a, that, no. That's a problem. <laughs> Oops, a daisies. <laughs> Don't do that. Uh, but there isn't, because none of these books, unless they are about Lando, have Lando on them. No. It's always just Luke, Han, and Leia. And sometimes they look a little older than they did in the movies, and eh, usually, usually they don't. Usually not. Usually it's like, it's 30 years later, and they look exactly like the movies, because that's the only picture I got to go off of. Yeah, that's what happened in this one. So, uh, anyway, that's chapters five and six. Uh, Bunch of wheels spinning in some drocks. That's right. It's fucking 40 more pages, and what we got was Luke found a farm town, and... Han's gonna go try and do something. It's not even Han did stuff. It's we set up Han to maybe do something later. Yeah, but don't, but but if you're worried about whether or not he's in a good apartment with great carpeting, don't be. Oh, don't worry about that because we know all about the balcony. We know about the greeting room, the pool. Ugh, boy, howdy, do we know all about that? I'm really glad that at least his ardor didn't get directed towards winter in that scene because presumably she's in a bathing suit. Well, presumably as well. He would be into it because it looks exactly like his wife. Yeah, she looks almost she looks like a white haired Princess Leia. So it's it's surprising where he's not like, hey, you know, uh She's all gone naked. She's all my wife's all gone and stuff, and I need uh comfort in this dark time. I need someone to comfort me <laughs> in the penis. <laughs> Very well, sir. I will meet you in the penis with a cup of cocoa. Ah <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> this was Palpatine's penis. <laughs> well, obviously, it's just yet another place that uh, she's or owned on Coruscant. Yeah. Welcome to the penis, the finest nightclub in all of Coruscant. Ugh. <laughs> no. The full title is the big green penis. No, thank you. No. Welcome to the throbbing green penis. Yeah, I'm leaving. Bye. Would you like some fleek eels? Ugh. <laughs> There you go. All right, we're done. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Expounded Universe. We'll keep slogging away at this book because Lord knows that's how we do. God, this book is... I mean, I know some people were like, oh, man, the last book, you got to read something that was actually fun to read. I, I can't wait till you get back to bad books. Oh, my God, this book is... Ju it hurts. <laughs> like, re I read one chapter and just put it down, and then I stare at the book. Like, I... Like I want it to know that I'm disappointed in it. I do like the part in the in the chapter where Lu where Han looks outside the balcony of his apartment, and it's like he sees the space of Coruscant where starlight e endlessly pours out in rivulets and whorls, unleashing its glowing bounty upon upon his eyes and creation. I was like, oh my god, just say there's space out there. Ugh. F fine. Oh yeah. Well, there's there's a point where uh, Han is super spooked out by the idea of getting caught somewhere. Mm -hmm. Like if. Because one of the things they mentioned for what might have happened to Leia is uh, something might have happened to their coordinates and they just jumped randomly. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, that's the most terrifying thing I could think of, to just be stuck somewhere in space and have no idea where I am or how to get back. Yeah. And so... That's legitimately scary. Yeah, I was like, 
it's amazing to me that no one ever mentions this. Like, this is the first time anyone in Star Wars is like, do you know space is terrifying? No, it isn't. You got to learn about Project Outbound Flight sometime. <laughs> ah. uh, anyway, uh, thank you so much for listening. And uh, you know what? There's bonus content a coming. Ooh, is it a coming? It's a coming. It's a coming. It's and it's a coming fast. Ooh, it's a coming hard. I'm going to do a whole episode on the throbbing green penis. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, uh, while you're on that, what are you going <laughs> to say for your bonus content? While I'm on the throbbing green penis, uh, I actually will not say what I'm going to do for my bonus content, but I will tell you how you can get it. If you want this, oh, you can get. It. If you want that sweet bonus content, all you have to do is go to Patreon.com/slash/SystemMastery and support us at the two dollar level. It usually adds up to about four, and occasionally six dollars a month, but it never, ever, ever goes higher than that. I want to make sure people feel comfortable knowing that we will not pull a spoonie on you. <laughs> we are very g- honest. Yeah, we don't do anything stupid. It's religiously about four bucks a month to unlock the, about four bucks because twice a year it's six bucks a month. That's how I'm going to put it uh, to unlock the bonus content for Star Wars, where you will get to learn all about things from Wikipedia that we thought were funny, things that we didn't know or we thought were weird. Yeah, things we want to bring to you, and then we'll bring them to your attention, and we'll tell some more of our good, good old fashioned joke style jokes. Good old fashioned joke style jokes. Yep, the kind of jokes that are joke styled. <laughs> These jokes have jokes in them. No pun-style jokes here. Oh, no. Goodness, no. Not, no observation-style jokes here. None of that. Nothing in the musical category of joke, either. Oh, no. No no filk. Just joke-style jokes. Just the, the classic Gilbert Gottfried-esque joke-style joke. Indeed. Two men walk into a bar-style jokes. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, once again, patreon.com slash systemmastery to unlock that bonus content. There are other levels that are available, but I'll let you discover them for yourself. Head on down to the Patreon. Take a look around. Discover it for yourself. Let your hands wander. Yeah. Let it. Let yourself just graze over the sensual bits of our Patreon. Flip our Patreon over and over in your mouth. Remember, don't bite it. Let it melt on your tongue. <laughs> That's the proper way to taste our Patreon. Our Patreon has hints of tannin mm-hmm. and cherries. It's redolent of fresh-cut grass. Heady as if pencil shavings were freshly dropped from the bottom of a pencil sharpener. <laughs> I can do wine descriptions. It's the color of rain. I can do wine descriptions for fucking days because of my Trader Joe's history. Uh, you can really <laughs> taste the reindeer in every drop. <laughs> it's got a pleasing finish all over your face. <laughs> Uh, the other one was uh oh that's right this this particular red has a a pleasant oaky afterbirth (laughs) (laughs) all right so once again that's patreon.com slash system mastery or you can find us at systemmasterypodcast.com or as system mastery on twitter facebook gmail reddit if you follow our twitter you can get onto our discord if you go to our discord and, and you're a patron you get special bonus colors access to secret hidden rooms just for patrons it's the best and uh, you can find all that stuff by just going online and looking around. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. We will be back in another week with more. And until then, I've been Elan Sleesbagiano. And let me tell you about these death sticks. The sensual white swirls around to the smoky oh, afterbirth. <laughs> <laughs> and if you want to buy some, you can meet me in the men's room at the throbbing green penis. <laughs> Smoking in the men's room. <laughs> <laughs>